Welcome everyone to another episode of my uh, podcast. As my regular listeners will always know, I'm always delighted to have my uh, guests on. And today, today is no different. It's been a long time uh, coming, mainly through my lack of organisation more so than um, anything. But I am delighted to welcome uh, the brilliant David uh, Fisher to the uh, show. Uh, David describes himself as showing sales professionals and leaders how to leverage digital influence to create more and better opportunities. Sales Hall of Flame, flame fame inductee, speaker and author. Author of three books, Hyperconnected Selling, Networking in the 21st Century, Networking in the 21st Century on uh, LinkedIn. And uh, is now the uh, Senior Sales Enablement Program Manager and Global Social Selling Lead. Come on, Alexander, get a grip. For SAS, where he is helping them understand the new world uh, order. So, David, welcome and thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. <laughs> I, I'll blame most of of this on the fact that there's a quite a bit of a time divide between you and I. That's the only reason it's taken so long for us to chat. No, it's my it's my disorganization. Nothing on your side at all. Um, <laughs> your side, David. So, typically, um, how we start these things, David, is uh, with a with a. Let's go down this route. I've already given you the heads up. Um, the title of the podcast is um, Are You a Sales Sherpa? And we'll come into that. Yeah. But firstly, is that a word? I don't know. Um, let's start with my usual um, intro. Um, and my regular listeners know that I'm disorganized all over the place with these things. So I don't apologize. Um, but <laughs> who, who, what, why, when, where, what, what's David's uh, story? And let's see what rabbit hole or mountain top, sure. I should say, this will take us to. Sure. Well, uh, well uh, always happy to talk about myself, but we'll, we'll keep it short. Uh, I am David Fisher. I, I picked up a very weird nickname along the way, D Fish. Uh, some A lot of people call me D or D Fish. Uh, I played drums in a band for a very long time, was also a rapper, which is where I picked up this very unlikely moniker, but it stuck with me. So uh, as I joke, just don't call me late for a happy hour and we're good. Uh, I got my start in sales uh, on, in a very uh, maybe a traditional way, at least for here in the States, uh, selling uh, cutlery in people's homes. So direct uh, in-home sales, there's a company called Cutco uh, here in the States, works with a lot of college students, was actually one of their top sellers, uh, paid my way through school doing that, and then ran their Chicago office for five years. So uh, by the time I was uh, 20, let's see, about 27, I'd interviewed over 10,000 people, trained about 1,500 sales reps. Uh, had a, had thousands and thousands of hours of speaking and training and coaching experience, uh, so it was a kind of a kind of a different way into the sales world than than for many, but uh, definitely a useful one. Uh, started at that point, uh, consulting firm Rockstar Consulting, which I did for sixteen years, training selling uh, salespeople, coaching salespeople, developing sales pro like anything around sales and mm -hmm. development. Uh, kind of worked in that world, got into writing at that point. I do have to make a slight correction. I've written 12 books. Uh, just three three are the ones that are pertinent for our conversation today. Uh, I've got a problem. Uh, I'm in a 12-step <laughs> program to help me stop writing. But uh, uh, and uh, yeah, so and, and in fact, got into the, the social selling space very early on. I ran my first training on LinkedIn and how to use it for sales in 2008, mm -hmm. well before it was a thing and it was cool and even had a name. And uh, have continually uh, throughout the last 15 years or so really been interested in how we build relationships mm -hmm. using some of the very old school traditional sales uh, modalities and, and methods and tools, as well as digital and all the modern stuff and how these things really 
uh, fit together. And right, as, as they say, the more things change, the more things that stay the same. So that's kind of kind of how I got here. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, as I referenced, I'm based in Chicago here in the States and uh, I got two small children, so I don't sleep a lot, but you know, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. And what a fascinating story that you were a rapper. I'm not sure I'm going to let you get away with that one too easily. We'll see how we're doing by the um, by the end of uh, end of. Fair these. enough. <laughs> Fair um, enough. But uh, I think my brain's already going now in terms of um, where you kind of cut your teeth, as it were. No pun intended with uh, with cutlery, as of course as it were, and yeah. uh, and kind of day day to day. But do, do you? Do you see in its rawest kind of form of what selling is a fundamental difference to door-to-door selling cutlery to kind of where we are in the world to today of the crazy world of digital and social and everything else that's going on on that? But if we break it down to its, its rawest form, kind of where's your view on sales and its most basic kind of constructs and what we're trying to achieve? Yeah, I don't think there's any difference at all. Uh, in fact, I'm very uh, glad that was your answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and it's interesting because again, I ca- I came from uh, an environment um, that was, I would say, a little less sophisticated mm-hmm. uh, than you know the the current enterprise sale uh, for a large you know B two B firm, for example, large uh, you know services sales. But th- in the end, w- what what I learned very early on, we we had. Uh, about an hour with a customer uh, where we go literally sit in their kitchen. We had our, our dog and pony show. And in that time I had to develop rapport. I had to uncover challenges. Uh, I had to basically instill enough trust in me and the organization. And by the way, this wasn't cheap stuff. I, I like, I still have cut co cutlery in my kitchen. They're amazing. Uh, I highly suggest getting, getting a set if you can, this was not cheap. Mm-hmm. So you were at, it, it was a big ask. In the end, that's uh, to this day, I, I talk to to sellers who I'm like, why are you on LinkedIn, for example, to build trust, to build a relationship? You know, there's the old school sales adage, all things being equal, people want to do business with those they know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. Whether you're sitting across a kitchen table from somebody across a, a conference, you know, mm-hmm. boardroom, you know, table across a Zoom, you know, uh, call, it, it, it all goes down to those very primal human to human uh, interactions and skills. So yeah, I don't think it's any different at all. I'm, I'm very glad that that was your answer because I was nervous as I was uh, I was asking it to where you where you where you want to go, and I kind of had the same same approach. I cut my teeth in um, as, as a realtor in uh, in London, which was pretty mm-hmm. uh, pretty hardcore, and then into yep. the world of recruitment um, long before. I mean, LinkedIn was kind of just been kind of born as it uh, were, but you know the, the sales the sales floor was you don't get your chair back until you made your 10 your 10 your, your 10 appointments and this this kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff but you know fundamentally when working with sales leaders today i kind of talk to the you know the outcomes that we're trying to achieve in sales which is fundamentally conversations with people start yeah. a conversation with a human being in this environment or in a face-to-face environment and then we kind of move, move on that was what i was doing 20 years ago and that's what we're still trying to do today it's for me the the process in getting to that conversation has fundamentally shifted and right. uh, and changes, which you know, talks to you know, what you're talking to around digital influence and all that kind of um, uh, that kind of stuff. So where where is this taking you to, or why is this taking you this concept of a um, a sales sherpa? Because I've mean, I've seen you talking about this on online. I'm very much in uh, in agreement with kind of the way that you always so eloquently 
put things out there far better than uh, than I ever could. But you've written twelve books, so that explains a lot. A lot. Why I've written a bit. <laughs> I better stuff. get get it right. I've written zero books, so also explains <laughs> explains um uh, a lot. But what what do we mean? What do you mean by yeah? This? I'll unpack that a little further. Yeah. So the sales Sherpa concept was one that I wrote about. Uh, in hyperconnected selling back in 2017. And if I was a better marketer, I would have made a much bigger deal of it. And because uh, because I do kind of think I uh, was relatively ahead of the curve on this one. But what I simply mean is that our buyers are, are rarely in a place where they're ready to buy when we first contact them. Mm-hmm. There's research that comes out and you can find all these stats, like only 5% of your market is actually active, blah, blah, blah. But I go back to how I got my start in business, which was very much around networking, right? And even as a uh, a business coach and a business, you know, sales trainer, like you just start meeting people and you start shaking hands. And sometimes there's an opportunity to um, do business right then. But very often it's just, hey, uh, Alex, I know you. Maybe we've we've had a conversation. We we've established some trust. And then if six months down the line, you're like, hey, you know what? I think there might be a place for for D to help. Then we re- restart the conversation. That's kind of how business has been happening for, I don't know, decades and decades and decades and decades. Yeah. And we got to this point where with, I think, very much technology, we thought, oh, if I just had the right email funnel, right? If I just had the right cold call script, mm-hmm. I could reach somebody and they'd be like, oh, I'm so glad you called right now today because I was just going into a meeting where we were going to buy that. But that's, again, a lot of the technology wanted to make that promise. Where I really think it's about establishing the relationship, the trust, the credibility in the in the mind space of the people who are potential customers, mm-hmm. um, so that when they are ready to go ahead, when they need help, you used uh, you mentioned realty as an example. I think that's a great, you know, especially let's use the United States here as an um, people thought that when everything went online, realtors would go away. United States real estate agents. There's now more real estate agents than ever <laughs> because more information has actually led to more need to help develop insights and parse through it. So that's what I really think the, the where a sales Sherpa comes in. It's the idea of saying, I'm going to be the guide for you through the buying journey that you have, right? That might be today if you're ready to go. If not, I'm going to do what I can and digital tools are good for this. Establish that credibility and that brand in your mind so that when you are ready, you reach out. And and so that it was that switch of going, hey, instead of trying to, hey, do you have your 10 meetings for this week? And again, I came up in a very similar environment. There, there's skills we can pull from that, but we have to accept that our buyers are much more in control of their buying process than they ever were uh, in the past. Absolutely. And I also like the concept of, you know, being the the guide for for the buyer. And if we think about, you know, uh, Sherpas and kind of Nims Desai's, the, you know, the, 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 the the one that most recently is kind of out on public in terms of what he's done for Everest and the other, you know, the, the, all the peaks mm-hmm. that he um, uh, that he climbed is that this a can be a, a tricky, a tricky situation. You can have the unexpected that can be kind of you know thrown at you, both from a buyer, you can have you know new hires internally within a new organisation, budgets can be cut, or the unexpected happens. And as a salesperson, you need to be able to react to that accordingly and react in a way that's going to be helpful rather than, oh, that's really annoying because I can see my commission check um, <laughs> right. dis- disappearing. I'm now not going to um, uh, going to help you. Um, but also that sometimes these things take 
take time. Yeah. You then also the back to and there's this big old debate about trust and trust in sales. And I accept at the lower end of the market, there's trust, but trust is it's small versus when you're in big, you know, enterprise your world now in terms of SaaS and my world, big enterprise deals, these relationships are forged over months, if not years, sometimes to sure. get the deal, uh, to get the deal done, is that <clears throat> you have to trust the Sherpa is is saying and guiding you to do the right thing up this mountain because if you don't, you might die. Right. Uh, that's not right. necessarily going to happen in um in, in a sales process. But in a world where we have too much information now and in a world where sellers are relying in my view too much on automation on doing inverted commas for the listeners um, or third-party plug-in tools or they think there's a shortcut to sales how are you how have you helped uh and are you helping kind of leaders and sellers kind of understand that 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 isn't that isn't scaffold what I say here. That isn't the way <laughs> per se. And you know, going back to this digital influence, how how do how do you help kind of shift that behavior and mindset when there are other levers that are pulling these individuals to do things based on KPIs and metrics and so on? You, you touched on it at the end there. That idea of mindset—that's really what it comes down to. You know, one, one thing I often say is that to be successful. In the social selling arena, you, you need to have the right mindset, skill set, and tool set, right? And it's very easy, and we've seen an explosion to what you even were referencing a moment ago in the tools, right? The tools are there. And again, all of these companies that come up with the tools are going to sell you on why, hey, you just have this Chrome plugin, and man, your sales are going to go through the roof. That's It's all you need. It's the mad, it's the easy button, right? Lately, I've been saying you don't want easy buttons. You just want easier buttons. Um but the key is actually to go back up the chain to that mindset, because really, if you have the right mindset of what you're trying to accomplish, you, you, we started this conversation with you asking, have things changed? Do I see similarities between you know, how I got my start 25 years ago and today? It is still about relationship. It is about trust. It's about you know, that human-to-human -human connection. We have more channels that we have to, to manage. We have more places we can talk to our, uh, our buyers. Uh, and we have to be able to manage those. But in the end, it's how do we take all of those different channels and still incorporate it into the trust building, into the, you know, the insight given, you know, yeah. there's so much information. I, I think this is a switch that a lot of buyers and, and buying, or let's say, or sorry, sorry, sellers and selling organizations have not made. Buyers do not need you for information anymore, <laughs> period, right? When we, when, when I got my start, I don't want to throw you under the bus with me. I mean, there was there was no internet, right? And it's weird for sellers to remember this. Like, if you want information, a seller had to bring it to you, yeah. right? Now they can, they can get that information anywhere. We have to be able to go to them with real insights on how to parse through that information, right? I, I, I go back to that, that real estate agent example. Why are there so many real estate agents in the United States is because, yeah, I can go online and get 20 house listings, but the real estate agent can say, oh, well, here, that's a bad school district. Yeah. This th this literally is the dividing line. You're on the the right side of the street, the wrong side of the street. Uh, you know, uh, cozy and near public transportation means that it's next to a train tracks and it's super small, right? So I, I do think that, and this is a rambling answer to your question, but I do think that it's really important that we take these tools that are available to us 
but we fit them into our existing relationship and conversation and outreach cadences, right? It becomes just a tool we use to do outreach, for example. Like there's nothing wrong with cold calls or emails or even some of the funnels. But if you think that's the end all be all, you're screwed, right? You're just going to piss people off. Yeah. Um, and so, and so I, and I, I think that's really important where, you know, you ask what I'm doing. I mean, a lot of it is the continual reminder that no selling hasn't gotten easier. Yeah. This is not, this is not the shortcut, but let me, let me teach you how to, to use these tools effectively to do what you're already trying to do. And I think you raise really important, you know, important point there in terms of the word teach and for, for lots of people, this is teaching is teaching something different to achieve the same outcomes that they're they're used to. And I was only you know up, up in um, Manchester in uh, in the UK last week with a global global tech services company, you know, fifteen senior sales leaders going through kind of social selling behaviours. Sometimes you've got to unteach stuff and unlearn <laughs> stuff and kind of roll back and then just let's just put your perceptions of life at the door. Let's work through some logic. You <laughs> right, right. Logic. Now let's put this logic into the technology and insight that you're being you're being served. Do you agree with everything that we're we're saying? And then the, you can just see the light bulb kind of moment um moment go. And then the example I gave was um so there are 15 of you in this room. I guarantee that if you follow these processes, each one of you will generate one more business opportunity worth 100,000 each. That's 1.5 million of additional pipeline on top of what you're already doing. To your point. Sure. Isn't saying don't do other things because other things do work for some industries and, and approach. But then what happened is one of the sales leaders went, hmm, you've now raised another question. And I went, okay, what was that? And he goes, I violently agree with everything you've just said, but we have a problem with our commission structure because where we now incentivize our sellers doesn't actually then allow them to be a Sherpa or cross pollinate in terms right. of information and insight because they're pointed and their focus is at that territory which means they have no interest in helping other colleagues, even right. if you've got sales navigation yeah. surf, you know, surfacing this piece of information. And now I understand the disconnect between marketing because of what you've just said. Yeah. Now I realize that even though we've got leaders at the very top saying we need to be you know, more digital, middle management is not exhibiting what leadership wants because leadership says the big, you know, the big you know, sermon at the top of the mount, if you will, messaging. But you've got poor middle management who are still hamstrung by spreadsheets, KPIs, numbers, the short, the short termism. So how 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 are you how are you see are you seeing a shift in terms of we're having to redesign some of the constructs of our sales and marketing structures, or are we not there yet? So I think and, and I'm gonna take a macro view of this. Yeah. I think we are in the middle of that shift. Okay. And it's, I think it's a painful evolution, right? <laughs> uh, one thing I often say is if you're a, a senior sales leader right now, right? right let's, and let's put an age on this. So if you're 55, so I'm 46. So if you're 10 years older than I am, uh, you actually not only came up, but found a lot of success mm -hmm. in a very different world. And literally a world where you could just cold call as a salesperson and be successful. I remember listening to a Brian Tracy tape in 1997. Uh, you know, the I forget which one is the psychology of success or whatever, some sales tape like that had the phone call script. Hey, if, you know, I could find you a way to, you know, save 20% on XX, uh, you know, system in your business, would that be worth 15 minutes of your time? 
that worked because we didn't even have caller ID, right? <laughs> now, but I say that going, okay, so think about be, growing up and having success in that world. Mm -hmm. And then maybe being a little out of, not out of touch. And that makes it seem that these people are dumb. People aren't dumb. It's just, yeah. they're in a different world. Mm -hmm. The world has, has changed quite a bit. So I do think that it's, uh, you mentioned incentives. It's hard for, especially large organizations to align marketing and sales and, you know, customer success yeah. <laughs> and, you know, ops. Th this is not a, oh, we just make this tweak and everything's better. I do think the conversation is, is important to have mm -hmm. and the, and the organizations that are willing to be open about that are you're starting to see the movement in the right direction because yeah, it, uh, commission structures might have to change. KPIs might have to change. I, I do think that what, and, and you, and I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this. I think a lot of those of us who might be more in the like social selling space or the digital sales space, there was a, a lot of pushback because many of the early proponents we're, we're basically saying, all you have to do is be on LinkedIn. That's it. And then you're going to be successful or, hey, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Here's a new tool where, and, and I think a lot of uh, existing sales structures got rankled by that. And, you know, we're like, okay, screw that. We're just going to tell our people to call more as opposed to kind of integrating. So that, I, I think that's kind of why there's been push on both sides. And so that's kind of what I'm seeing. Yeah, I, I, I would agree on the... Um... The social selling is the only the only way uh, mantra. I drank that Kool Aid for 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 a bit, um, and I I put my hands up and I now realise when you get into conversations with other sales leaders and you get into conversations about the other about the other channels, this isn't a one and only. This isn't what this isn't one thing or the other. It's fundamentally do what works for uh, sure. you. And from my perspective, the, I actually don't like the term social selling anymore. I fall out of love with it because you see too many people selling over social and right. you know, you talk about the 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 social selling bit is actually top of final marketing mm -hmm. that's what this is it's about getting a conversation with somebody and getting that conversation out of social as quickly as humanly possible which might take you 12 months to close <laughs> that, and i think that's where this kind of disconnect is happening is that they think that once the conversation has happened you're now to your point um you're ready to buy and it's like no, you piqued my interest that actually I may be thinking about this or actually we're starting to talk about this is then how do you nurture and maintain that relationship and that conversation going forward through social, through email and through through phone? But, you know, picking up on your point around, but are you bringing insight and clarity to the conversation? Are you bringing uh, a, a different thought process? Are you challenging some of the thought processes? Because if we go back to the, the Sherpa uh, analogy why is a sherpa good i'm not a sherpa expert in any shape or form but sherpas are employed because they've walked the path many 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 right. many That's times it. before so they know the route and this is some of the frustrations that um i i'm not frustrated with any of my clients you are all amazing people um but it's <laughs> you sold your products and services many times before so you will have some form of insight and right. knowledge as to how long this takes, what are the gates, what are the barriers, what's the next thing to um, to do? So use that insight to help guide and your Sherpas yep. on that, but then to guide for you to your Sherpas to then guide your buyers by, oh, 
by the way, actually, when we're at this stage, you know what insight to feed them, because typically this now conversation goes to the CFO. This conversation is when procurement start to get involved. So let's arm your buyers with all the re relevant information that is going to be pertinent to them to help them have that conversation. But so few organizations map their journeys through yeah. their journeys and their paths. That's spot on. And I think that uh, one of the places that people really fall down, especially when we do talk about communicating digitally, digitally, like on LinkedIn, is this idea of sharing insight and sharing uh, the the knowledge that they have of the pitfalls and opportunities on the process. One thing I often say is that maybe not everybody has expertise, but everybody has experience, right? And so I think you said something you know, very powerful there where you've worked with other customers as a seller. So even the ability to go to a new seller and say, hey, this is what we I've found happens at this stage here, right? You're talking to your champion who really wants this to move forward. Hey, by the way, CFOs at this stage are going to come in often and they're going to say this. Let me now give you some information to have a better conversation there. Or, hey, have you ever thought of aligning with this other department? Because, yeah, I'm talking to you about this type of solution. But, hey, marketing also finds it really valuable. That might be a great partner. There, there's so much experience that you can bring. And, hey, even if we get really tactical here, the idea of posting on LinkedIn is so anathema to so many sellers. I don't know what to say. I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. BS, you know, the average seller wastes so much of their time. But- what what if that posting is, hey, here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm seeing. I had this customer conversation. Yeah, you can keep it um, you know, anonymous. You don't have to give any details. But I just had this customer uh, conversation with a customer who we started six months ago. And this was something they said about how successful they now are because of that. Uh, that's really where I, I think this idea of becoming the Sherpa and, and one of the things that people say even about LinkedIn, for example, is, hey, you got to bring value, right? Bring value to the conversation, have valuable posts. So I, I, value can mean many different things. For me, it simply means providing information or insights that help somebody make a decision more quickly, more easily, or with less risk, right? So if you think if you're kind of doing one of those three things in a LinkedIn post, in an email, in a phone call, in an offline conversation, that's what being a Sherpa is. And also, I, I do want to point out, I agree that much of what we do on digital platforms like LinkedIn are top of funnel, but I think the more your sales cycle is lengthened, right? So the longer it is, um, the more pieces that are involved. I actually think you go in and out, right? And this is where this idea of cadence, I, I think, is important. You might connect on LinkedIn. You might connect on the phone. You might connect at an event. Well, and then you have a, a phone call or a Zoom call, right? And then you see each other on LinkedIn because you comment on their posts. Then you go to another event. Then you mail them a letter. Then you email them. Then yeah, people often ask me, like, how do you attribute uh, pipeline to social selling? Mm -hmm. And I think there's ways to, to do it right now. But in a conversation with a colleague recently, he basically was like, dude, what 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 pipeline doesn't isn't touched by you know social and I'm like ah ding ding ding, right? This it's important. This, there you go. In, in, indeed, and absolutely, I agree with you. You know, social can be used to nurture and maintain and kind of bring bring conversations um, 
uh, together. Hundred percent on um, uh, on on that side of things. And I think you know, for me, what's what's interesting is is yes, you start to see that mindset, that mindset shift, and that it, as we said, it's not kind of one and it's not just one and one route and uh, and um, right. uh, and done. But I think also from from my perspective, picking up on your point around um, my brain was just going, I thought something, I forgot something. Now it's come back, which was <laughs> on that piece. Um, thematics and thematics in terms of conversation. And this is where, again, I always beat the drum to um, sellers. This could be an out and out salesperson. You could be a lawyer. You could be an accountant. You could be a consultant. You are at the coalface having conversations every single day with mm-hmm. people about the business problems that they have every single day. You have more content in your head than, oh you, can, than you can shake a stick at. And to your point, just put out there interesting conversation on this about X, Y, Z. What do you think? Because that will tr- someone will trip over and go, okay, yeah, that's, <clears throat> I was thinking about that and I'm now going to follow this person. I might send this person a next request. I might go follow the company page and start to learn to learn more. And now, you know, with tools like Sales Navigator and the deep sales narrative that is coming out, the amount of data and insight that LinkedIn is now opening up mm-hmm. to sellers to understand from my perspective about having the right conversation with the, at the right time with the right, right conversation with the right person at the right time about the right thing because of what we can that sounds familiar <laughs> because of what you can now because uh, what you can now see plus if you can then start to bring in marketing data and 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 we shouldn't necessarily have to be going down the cold approach especially in large enterprise you should be able to find that route in through an introduction and a uh, and a referral and then if you understand your buyer's journey because you sold it a gazillion times before you should almost be able to Plot and be careful and going down to the world of predictable, predictable, predictable revenue. But you sure. should be able to get to that point as to what is happening and and when and you know cadence. You build enough of this cadence and get the flywheel going. I genuinely believe that your social digital pipeline becomes self fulfilling because of the cycle of when people are ready to then come into um, come into to buy and it's the old adage if you're getting an rfi or an rfp into your inbox you're already six months too late sure someone else has already been that that sherpa and nurturing that that conversation to the point where they're like yeah procurement's told us we need to go competitive on this so <laughs> i've got to go to market but 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 <laughs> yeah well the way i came up with the idea of the sales sherpa was actually in a in a kind of a thought process or writing process when I was actually t- thinking about gatekeepers mm-hmm. and, you know, cause sellers used to be, we'd be gate crashers, right? How do we get through the, how do you get through the gate? Where I was like, well, wouldn't it be just better to be on the inside already <laughs> when they're ready to buy? And what you just said there is so right. Uh, where you're going to find success as a seller is if you're actually helping to write the RFP, mm-hmm. right? When you're, you're, you're trusted enough that you're, you're saying, Hey, this is what you should, should be looking at. This is going to be important. Be aware of this. Oh, by the way, yeah, we'd love to compete for that RFP because I just wrote it for you. Um, but you've said this a couple of times. I think it's worth reiterating. Sellers go through this daily. Buyers go through this once, right? And the the more that you know, to to beat the Sherpa analogy, maybe a little too far to death. But, you know, the Sherpa has um, 
gone, the guide, whoever that is, has gone into the territory before, goes, hey, here's a pitfall. There's a crevasse there. This is a shortcut. Here's here's where we go. They've done it before and, and often many times before. They take that person up the mountain who's only going to do it once. Yeah. You know, and that it's very easy to underestimate the power of that. And to, to even bring this full circle as humans making decisions is often challenging. It can be scary. There's, there's risks involved, um, you know, that both, you know, on a spreadsheet might come forth, but also like on a per, Hey, if I make the wrong decision, is this going to lose me my job? You know, there are all kinds of things that could come into play. When you can come in, I often use the uh, the example. There's the the television show "How I Met Your Mother," yeah. uh, and B- Barney uh, was a, a character there, much beloved. But he always used to say, "I've got a guy," and he'd go, "You, you need tickets? I got a guy. You need a limo? I got a guy. You need t- you know you need a guy? I got a guy." And and you know, or and you can say, "Or a gal." The, the The idea there is that there's somebody that I can just go to. They know the lay of the land. I, I can trust this person. We want that. I mean, we and often need that. And so when you can use all these different sales tools we have online, interpersonal, everything we're talking about and go, how do I get ahead of that buying process? That's where success will come in. And it's very different than, I, I mean, this is where I, I kind of go off against maybe kind of common or popular sales wisdom. You know, the, the whole SDR, I'm going to just like do a bunch of outbound. I mean, the, by the way, there's sales and industries that it's perfectly legit. Mm-hmm. But like this idea that we were just going to like nurture somebody through an, an email funnel that was going to get them to come by from us. Yeah, it happens every once in a while, but I I don't think that's a self-fulfilling <laughs> pipeline. No, I agree with you. I, I'm... I, I'm seeing a narrative play out that this SDR, BDR, AE complex is, I think, in some organizations going to be disaggregated and we're going to go back to the full full cycle sales, which is what I did way back in the day in my recruitment days. Sure. I I ran my recruitment process cradle to, uh, to grave to find the opportunity, pitch the opportunity, win the opportunity, find the candidates, place the candidates. And I was recruiting sales professionals into the IT and tech sector and we recruited three roles. I would ask the yeah. person, is this new business, account management or channel sales? Because that was it. You may have yeah. had sales and tech sales, but it was literally, that was it. And now we have this just complex kind of um, structure, which doesn't actually put the client first and put, you know, create the client experience. And, you know, back in the day, I remember when I was a client of LinkedIn, it's a sales solution. They wanted me to, Rob Fox, brilliant account manager. And it was after a year, they said, right, now we're handing you over to someone else. And I said, no, you're not. Because if you do, I won't renew. Because I've spent a year building a relationship with this chap. He understands inherently how we work. I'm not yep. going to spend another year doing that again. They said, well, that's not. I said, I don't care. But I, <laughs> don't force your structure on me. Right. You right. want me to renew this contract. I'm keeping Rob. Remember, with- I'm the one who's writing the check to you. Yeah, so, exactly. So, I kept Rob um, for another year. I said, I'm more than happy for you to do a handover during that year. But don't make it a cliff edge. Where it's now, it's someone, um, yeah. uh, someone new, but that doesn't fit our structure. I don't care about your structure because that's your structure. That's not my problem. Um, right. Reflecting on, I think it's a brilliant turn of uh, a brilliant kind of a turn of phrase. Their expression is that sellers do this daily, buyers do it once. I think it's just yeah. such a brilliant. I'm going to steal that. 
um because that's such a brilliant kind oh, of wow. mindset as you hear it you think yeah christ because we do only do it once and then you go you buy a car once every maybe five years you buy a house once every 10 years yeah your m system once every millennia <laughs> right. system, a marketing function and so th yeah that's just really got me really got me thinking so i'm yeah definitely stealing uh stealing that david go um, for it conscious that we're we're getting close to um to time uh in your mind for the modern sales sherpa at a kind of a basic you know from a kit perspective you think about all sherpa needs when they go up the mountain what sure. do you think for a sherpa to be sales sherpa to be successful in the modern digital world what are some of the the kind of the bare minimums from a tooling a tool set perspective that they should be using or asking their sales leaders for sure um well, I, I know both of us are big fans of Sales Navigator, so uh, we're going to throw that throw that on there. Uh, and, and I do think having Sales Navigator, especially with some of the changes they've made, even in the last few months, super powerful to make sure that you are being much more targeted and focused with not only your outreach, but then your relationship building, uh, keeping the, the right conversations with the right people at the right times on the right topics front and center. Uh, you know, and LinkedIn itself and just an active LinkedIn presence, I think, is is woefully uh, underused. So many people want to get Sales Navigator and you go look at their profile and you're like, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't talk to you based on this. You know, um, I think a great a great CRM uh, is 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 key that's used. Um, I think there's I mean, this is a whole nother <laughs> uh, conversation about how sellers are using CRMs or CRMs used to help them or the marketing teams and all that stuff. But I do think you need a good uh, good repository for the information you've gleaned from your customer and some good outreach tool. I, you know, whether that there's many, I don't want to mention my name to see it, make it seem biased, but some sort of, I, I do think there is some value in having a cadence outreach tool. Yeah. Because especially the, the modern sellers often tasked with keeping in touch with more sellers than they could do just by rote. Um, yeah. And so that ability to automate parts of it, mm -hmm. super valuable, super valuable. And I don't want to make it seem like you should always just go old school. I, besides that, I, yeah, uh, and maybe a good, um, it depends if they if they are top of funnel, maybe a good, insight uh buyer intelligence yeah. tool i mean let's let's call it like a, a zoom info or something like that because you need to get that data somewhere mm -hmm. um beyond that everything i think is very much case by case yeah. and i think that it's and we're seeing i'm seeing this uh in a lot of uh you know uh with my colleagues and, and past customers where they're starting to really go do we need all of these tools on our tech stack and I think that's a really good question to ask because over the last, again, 10 years, 15 years, yes, yes. Oh, this is the, the magic button. This is the magic button. And uh, it's funny when you really talk to a seller, even a large enterprise company, an AE, big accounts, they're like, hey, I use these three. Yeah. They, they do what I need to do. And that's it. So um, I think we need to really let, let our sellers take the lead on that in many ways. I think that's an interesting point is letting the sellers take the lead in terms of the tools that work for for them rather than forcing the tools um uh tools uh, upon them um i'm gonna uh, this is because i know we could do another podcast uh, on this and then i will let you uh, i'll let you go but um generative ai 
Give a give a, 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 a really you want to you want to start that conversation at the end? Sorry, no. We we'll just we get you back on and talk about generative generative AI, but let's get five 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 minutes on that. I, I'm going to keep this uh, very broad and high level because it, my thinking could be out of date in a week, right? That's a problem. And, and and that's actually my concern. Um, I think generative AI. And, and let me also be very full disclaimer. I work for a company that's an AI company, right? So I'm going to always defer to my employer and whatever they, they say. Um, th man, it, it's, it can be really cool. And I think, a, and I think there's two things to talk about. There's AI and there's generative AI, you know, something that, and, and I will say the SAS is, is very keen on. And I, I think rightly the idea of trustworthy AI and, you know, we have a whole team internally. We're very much, you know, at the forefront of that conversation, I don't want to speak to that. That's not my area of expertise. But I, I, I'm glad that we and I and other organizations are starting to be like, hey, let's let's really look under the hood and know what's happening here with AI in general. I'll speak very specifically to generative AI and the sales and marketing process. Yeah. Um, it can do really cool things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in the marketing lens, um, I think it has maybe a little more. Uh, better use cases, yep. right? Because, um, and I'll come to this word in a second, which it's all about expectation. I think sellers need to be very, very wary. I think it's a bright, shiny object. I think that it will actually find a home in many of our toolboxes that will be very useful. Um, I think this technology is less than six months old. I do, I personally, there's a personal same, and I'm saying this, I think it was released to the wild a little too early uh, with not the guardrails that it needed. That's an opinion. Um, if I was a seller right now, I would be very cognizant of the phrase, it's a lot easier to keep trust than regain trust. Um, I've had people use generative AI that I then found out was, and I kind of knew, mm -hmm. and it's it absolutely has destroyed my trust in them. Um, they're not trying to sell me. It was just, you know, colleagues actually being very blunt. I'm like, okay, because uh, I, I, I personally think that if somebody is not willing to spend the time and energy to do outreach to me and do it themselves, why should I spend my, like they've wasted my time. They yeah. seem, um, but it comes to expectation, right? Somebody, because somebody asked me in a recent LinkedIn post, they're like, well, you're talking about AI here, but you used a stock photo in the LinkedIn post. I saw that. Is it, okay. Are you saw it? Okay. And and my response was, hey, that's fair. I mean, that's I mean, I love that's what I love about LinkedIn. When somebody asks you a question, like, huh? And my response, and one that I, I think I'm I can still stand behind is, what is the expectation? On a LinkedIn post, somebody you can tell it's a stock photo. Yeah. I'm not representing that's me, right? If I had wrote about my family and then had a stock photo family, it gets a little gray area. Yeah. But the expectation is not that uh, I've created this photo shoot. To, yeah. to do a photo for a LinkedIn post. I send you an email. There is an expectation that that's coming from the person. Yeah. And I think that's the line we have to be really careful of as sellers. Um, you know, hey, I can automate all of my, my outreach and AI is going to make it really polished and great. First of all, no, it's not. We're not there yet. We Your buyers can tell. But yeah, like the moment I found, uh, an example I would give is, um, if you went, if you were single and were on an online dating site and had a conversation online with some, you know, through this dating 
app with somebody, great conversation. Then you went to meet them for that first date and they said, oh, uh, yeah, I, I actually just use AI to have all of my dating conversations. So we're just starting, you walk out of the restaurant. <laughs> Your buyers are gonna do the same thing, so. 100%, and I'm on the same page. I absolutely think from marketing, I think it's gonna be fascinating in terms of um, where that goes in terms of um, the, the creativity that it can now generate. But to your point, when it comes to written text, for me, which I think is what I wrote on your um, your post, your point, email, posts, what have you, I expect it to be written by a human being. And if I find out that it's not, to your point, I will have the same reaction in terms of that element of um, uh, element of trust. But to your point, I'm being commissioned to write an article on it, and I keep stalling it because every day something different is <laughs> it's, it's happening. Like I said to the the editor, I'm going to give this to you at the eleventh hour, just so you're um, you're 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 aware. Um, David, yeah. it has been a joy to have you on. Thank you so much for your time. If people want to kind of follow you and kind of learn where they can find your books. Where's the best place to uh, point your LinkedIn profile, I guess? Or Yeah, <laughs> LinkedIn is gonna be the easiest place. I'm there regularly. Or uh, my online home is davidjpfisher.com uh, where I've got a lot of content. And all my books are available on Amazon. Just search my name and they'll all pop up. <clears throat> the link's down here in the chat. They'll be in the body of the, <clears throat> forgive me, the body of the, uh, the podcast text as well. So please do um, uh, have a look at them. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna to to speak to you offline about this, uh, this rapping career, David. But... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds thank good. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And as ever, for my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you want to be on the podcast and you want to do, I'm going to recommend people to be on the podcast. Uh, but wherever you, are, wherever you are in the world, um, I'll see you online. And until next time, thanks for listening.